Welcome to the Insecurity Project Podcast. Most people think the best you can do with insecurity is mask it, manage it, or medicate. I'm convinced this is a problem that can be solved for good, and that's what this show is all about. Join me for weekly 10-minute Tuesday episodes, live coaching demonstrations, and world-class interviews on the subject of overcoming insecurity. Now on to today's show. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in for another installment of 10-Minute Tuesday. Garbage in, garbage out. I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment, but while I was preparing for today, I couldn't help but notice the multitude of posts, videos, memes that popped up about Will Smith slapping down Chris Rock at the Oscars before winning his award for Best Actor. If you haven't seen it, uh, yeah, very interesting. Chris Rock makes a joke about Will's wife, the fact she's got alopecia, has lost her hair and she's shaved her head, and he says that she's, uh, you know, the role for G.I. Jane 2 is hers if she wants it. Uh, She's offended, Will's offended on her behalf, gets up on stage and slaps Chris Rock down and then tells him repeatedly that uh, to never let his wife's name be in his mouth ever again. Now, in case you're wondering what happened there, was he right to slap him slap him down or is, is that just respecting his own honour, uh, what, what's going on there? Um, you know, th- that, is, that is pure insecurity, what you're watching. You know, so let's just deconstruct this for a moment. Alopecia is a disorder produced by stress. So there's some significant stress going on for Jada at the moment. Um, hard for Will to not take that personally. His own wife is stressed. It's likely that he is of the cause of that in some way, shape, or form. There's some stuff going on in their relationship they haven't worked out. Uh, so he feels that that's somehow a reflection of him. That gets picked on. Now everyone in the world is watching him and his wife. Now, he's not defending her, I promise you. He's defending himself. That is an attack on him. If you look at the the 15 signs of insecurity, number 10, overreacting because everything is personal. Tiny issues become life and death issues. Things escalate quickly and you get angry and frustrated over trivial things that aren't a big deal in the scheme of things. You know, watch the Oscars. Ricky Gervais has made a name for inappropriate jokes at people's expense. That's how that rolls. Um, That was an overreaction, I promise you. And that's Will's insecurity. So there you go. See insecurity play out on the big stage, wondering how those two mend that relationship, if indeed they do. Now, look, garbage in, garbage out. Let's talk about that. Uh, if you've heard this term before, it's typically uh, it's a computer science term. You know, Garbage in, garbage out is the concept that flawed or nonsense input data produces non- nonsense output. Rubbish in, rubbish out, or it's an alternative wording. So the principle also applies to generally to all analysis or search and logic, in that arguments are unsound if their premises are flawed. So I see this happen frequently when people uh, dabble in the dark arts of self-awareness, which people are not inclined to do, by the way. You might have not noticed that. Uh, Typically, people link a lot of pain and angst to self-awareness, and so would prefer just to shut that puppy down and sail on without knowing. However, when people start to realize that it could be useful to become aware of what's going on under the surface, 
often it's a case of garbage in garbage out their search queries the the quality of their questions the things they are looking for the way they understand the problems in their life it's all garbage it's all really low quality stuff and so then they get frustrated as to why they can't understand what's going on or they don't know the answer to the question or it all feels so mysterious and then they confirm their suspicion that self-awareness is a waste of time However, it's just a simple case of garbage in, garbage out. The search is definitely too broad, the questions are wrong or they're low quality, and the issue is being misdiagnosed. If you consider the quality of the input, then you'll get much better quality output. That's how this works. So first and foremost, the the uh, priority is to accurately diagnose the problem. What you know? What problem are you most looking to solve? Are you sure that's actually the problem? My two favorite coaching questions, and I can't tell you how many times people get those wrong. In fact, they always get them wrong because people try and solve the problem where they see the pain. So the pain shows up in their health or their finances or their relationship or their work or their sense of happiness or well-being or overall purpose for their life. And so they assume because that's where it hurts, that must be where the pain is. That must be the cause of the pain. That must be where the problem is. And so they try and solve it as a health problem or solve it as a relationship problem or a a money problem or a purpose problem. Um, And that only ever provides a short-term boost to their experience. Um, But because it's not what the problem really, what's caused the problem, then it can't actually solve the problem. So um, the way that you accurately define the problem when it comes to personal development is the subject-object switch. Dr. Robert Keegan, chair of human behavior at Harvard, said that the subject-object switch is the thing that accelerates human growth more than anything else. And quite simply, all that means is we are subjective beings, so it is hard to get out of our own way. We're storytellers, we're sense makers, but we do have the ability to think about our thinking. That's what separates us from the animals. We can step outside and look back in. We we can analyze. We can review. We can be mindful. We can pause. We can take a breath. We can use our imagination. We can um, try our story on as though it were another person's story. And so it does take some objectivity because one of the, the big um, hindrances to self-awareness is a fear of what you will discover. This is why you can't do judgment and awareness at the same time because you could find something wrong or bad and in the presence of judgment, if you find something wrong or bad, that implicates you and proves that you are wrong or bad. So that's all too dangerous. You, you need a clean space, an objective space so that it wouldn't matter what you find, whatever you find is just what is. So uh, any time you spend being objective about your own experience, examining it as data, examining it as though it was someone else, examining it dispassionately or with the aid of some kind of coaching frame or coaching individual to have that clean space. I'm not sure how else you accurately diagnose the problem. Otherwise, you don't want the problem to be the problem. You want it to be something else because if if it is what it is, then that implicates you. People are insecure about being insecure, so you don't want it to be an insecurity problem. You prefer it just to be a health problem, a relationship problem, or a money problem, then it's not too serious. Um, Insecurity is the deepest, darkest fear that people have. It's the ultimate stuff. It's the human condition that causes people to run or hide rather than do the review work. So 
um, no surprise here on the insecurity project that uh, I'm adamant that underneath every layer of human dysfunction, be it financially, physical, physically, relationally, emotionally, intellectually, is ultimately some kind of limiting belief about ourselves and the and the most um, dangerous and difficult of those limiting beliefs are always personal limiting beliefs. They're, they're the, the ones that define our identity and our value and our worth. That's what we're ultimately afraid of. So I promise you, if you're actually willing to have a look and accurately diagnose a problem, you will find insecurity in some shape or form at the heart of whatever's going on in your world. So that's the first thing to, to avoid the garbage in, garbage out, the subject-object switch. Find an objective space so you can have a clean look. Um, secondly, once, as soon as you've discovered what the problem is, um, now you're going to need to find accurate data that's going to help you solve it. And I think this is where the garbage in, garbage out problem happens the most because you know it's one thing to discover there's some insecurity, but then what are you going to do with it? How are you going to fix that? Uh, and you know, typically when I watch people get to practice one in the seven essential practices, you know, one is uh, be here, step into the light, be honest about what the problem is. Named must your fear be before banish it you can. Um, the next dilemma is, okay, well, if I am insecure, why am I insecure? Where did that come from? And then it's like, well, I don't know. Well, I assume that I do know, and I assume it's because of what happened to me. So, yeah, I'm not really sure how that helps me to know that I'm insecure. Um, again, garbage in, garbage out. That's a, a really obscure kind of search request, asking the wrong questions, living by the wrong presuppositions. Um, so... If you want to actually know where insecurity came from and know the data that's going to help you resolve it, uh, then you just have to work your way backwards. So here's how this process works, and it works works a treat if you're interested. So once you're clear, yep, there's an insecurity problem, and then you must begin with the end in mind. Uh, you have to be clear about how you'd like things to be instead, how you'd like to feel, what you want to have happen in your life, what kind of experience you dream of, what would be great, what would make you happy, what would what would cause fulfillment. Then you examine your current experience and realize what's incongruent with that, the behavior, the emotion, the thought life that's very set, very different, almost the opposite, often the opposite of what you really want. Now, behavior never lies. So now you've got a pattern and now you've got a structure. And you'll be surprised at how much structure there really is behind these patterns of behavior. They're not random. They're not mysterious. They're not broken. Certainly not messy. Behavior never lies. It shows exactly what you believe. You might think you believe all kinds of things, but in order to consistently behave in a way that is incongruent with the way you'd like to behave or the ideal outcome for your life, there must be some supporting beliefs. There must be some things that you are sure about that keep producing that behavior. Behavior is just the end of the assembly line in the factory of beliefs. So you narrow your search edge and you're getting higher quality data in, which is going to get you higher quality data out. Then the presupposition that although you might feel like you've always believed that about yourself, once you uncover, yeah, okay, in order to behave like this, I must believe that there is something wrong with me, some inadequacy, some lack, some limit, some lack of value, some lack of deservedness whatever it is, then you kind of, you got to work your way back to when that started so that you can do some work around that origin. But you will require the presupposition that there must have been a time before that belief started. And 
that is true. Just some gentle inquiry would prove that to be self-evident. You didn't start there. Every child has a very high sense of self. They come into the world with no shadow of a doubt that they deserve undying devotion and attention. As evidenced by the moment there is something less than perfect in their world, a child screams, cries, demand attention, demands attention, and they get it. It's only as they go into the world older, two, three, four, five, when their world stops reflecting that back to them. And then they start to question, maybe they've got it wrong. Then stuff goes down, which they interpret negatively and create limiting beliefs, opinions, agreements, assumptions that there is something wrong. So the first time you're looking for, and and this is the data that's most useful, garbage in, garbage out, you're going to think, well, where did this start? I don't know. What I don't even know what I'm looking for. But you refine the search engines by examining behavior, noticing there must be a supporting belief. That belief has a structure, has some language around it. Otherwise, you couldn't keep behaving like that. Then the question is, well, when was the very first time I decided that was true? That's actually a really high-quality question if you're willing to sit with it. Uh, There was an inception point, a moment in time. And if you are willing to listen to the answer, then it can be known with 100% certainty. You refine the search and you hold the space and are willing to hear what comes next, then you can know the answer. Because everything we've ever seen, known, heard is all cataloged there somewhere. That's how we make decisions in the world. We're pattern gathering animals. It's how we know that a snake is dangerous and a Labrador is safe because we've gathered enough data over our lifetime to know that that's true. So it's all useful to us and our unconscious stores it all. So I promise you that the first time you decided that you weren't actually worthy, that you were unworthy or you weren't enough, you were not enough or you weren't adequate, you were inadequate, that was a cataclysmic event and I promise you it's stored. There is only one thing powerful enough in the human being to stop listening ever happening between two people or between yourself. Only one thing. And that is you don't want to know. Two people, you think about it, even if you speak different languages, if you want to know, if you want to understand, it's going to take you some time and you'll have to be creative, but you can understand another person if you want to. Don't pretend you want to understand if you don't. Don't pretend, yeah, I'm trying to listen to myself, but I'm just not saying anything. It's just so frustrating. No, you're afraid. You don't want to. Follow the line, hold the space, refine the search, Ask high-quality questions and then be prepared for the answer. This is a system. It's all knowable and you can get quality data out if you put quality data into your questions. I hope that's useful. Look, before I go, I've just created some book bundles on the website which give you a tidy little discount if you'd like to buy multiple books. There's four of them now, plus audiobooks and ebooks and all kinds of goodies on my website. So that's uh, something to look out for now. I'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Insecurity Project podcast. All you need to solve any problem is the proven framework and someone skillful enough to hold you in the space until it works. If this is your year to be insecurity free, jump on the insecurityproject.com and begin your journey to become unhindered by getting a free copy of the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity.